you want victory, you can have it in Christ Jesus. Time once again for Abiding in Christ with Jim Wood. You have to step back, evaluate the various positions in light of Scripture, and then re-engage with a godly perspective. Pastor Wood is the founder of Weirs Valley Ranch, a Christian home and school for kids from crisis family situations. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at wvr.org. And now, without further delay, here's your host, Jim Wood. You would please open your Bibles to the book of Genesis. You recall at the end of chapter 45 that um, Israel, the new name for Jacob, was convinced by what his sons told him. He believed the good news that his son Joseph is alive, and he says, I will go and see him before I die. Chapter 46, this is God's word. So Israel set out with all that was his, And when he reached Beersheba, he offered sacrifices to the God of his father, Isaac. And God spoke to Israel in a vision at night and said, Jacob, Jacob, here I am, he replied. I am God, the God of your father, he said. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I will make you into a great nation there. I will go down to Egypt with you, and I will surely bring you back again. And Joseph's own hand will close your eyes. Then Jacob left Beersheba, and Israel's sons took their father Jacob and their children and their wives in the carts that Pharaoh had sent to transport him. They also took with them their livestock and the possessions they had acquired in Canaan. And Jacob and all his offspring went to Egypt. He took with him to Egypt his sons and grandsons and his daughters and granddaughters, all his offspring. These are the names of the sons of Israel, Jacob and his descendants, who went to Egypt. Reuben, the firstborn of Jacob, the sons of Reuben, Hanak, Palu, Hezron, and Carmi, the sons of Simeon, Jemuel, Jamin, Ohad, Jachin, Zohar, and Shel, the son of a Canaanite woman the sons of Levi, Gershon, Hohath, and Merai, the sons of Judah, Ur, Onan, Shelah, Perez, and Zerah, but Ur and Onan had died in the land of Canaan, the sons of Perez, Hezron, and Hamul, the sons of Issachar, Tola, Pua, Jashub, and Shimron, the sons of Zebulun, Sered, Elon, and Jalil. These were the sons Leah bore to Jacob and Padan Aram besides his daughter Dinah. These sons and daughters of his were 33 in all. The sons of Gad, Zephon, Haggai, Shuni, Esbon, Eri, Erodi, and Areli. The sons of Asher, Imna, Ishva, Ishvi, and Bariah. Their sister was Sarah. The sons of Bariah, Heber, and Malkiel. These were the children born to Jacob by Zilpah, whom Laban had given to his daughter Leah, 16 in all. The sons of Jacob's wife, Rachel, Joseph and Benjamin. 
In Egypt, Manasseh and Ephraim were born to Joseph by Asenath, daughter of Potiphar, priest of On. The sons of Benjamin, Bela, Beker, Ashbel, Gera, Naaman, Ehi, Rosh, Mupim, Hupim, and Ard. These were the sons of Rachel who were born to Jacob, 14 in all. The son of Dan, Hushim, the sons of Naphtali, Jazeel, Guni, Jezer, and Shalem. These were the sons born to Jacob by Bilhah, whom Laban had given to his daughter Rachel, seven in all. All those who went to Egypt with Jacob, those who were his direct descendants, not counting his sons' wives, numbered 66 persons. With the two sons who had been born to Joseph in Egypt, the members of Jacob's family which went to Egypt were 70 in all. Now Jacob sent Judah ahead of him to Joseph to get directions to Goshen. When they arrived in the region of Goshen, Joseph had his chariot made ready and went to Goshen to meet his father Israel. As soon as Joseph appeared before him, he threw his arms around his father and wept for a long time. Israel said to Joseph, Now I am ready to die, since I have seen for myself that you are still alive. Then Joseph said to his brothers and to his father's household, I will go up and speak to Pharaoh and will say to him, My brothers and my father's household who were living in the land of Canaan have come to me. The men are shepherds, they tend livestock, and they have brought along their flocks and herds and everything they own. When Pharaoh calls you in and asks, What is your occupation? You should answer, Your servants have tended livestock from our boyhood on, just as our fathers did. Then you will be allowed to settle in the region of Goshen, for all shepherds are detestable to the Egyptians. Joseph went and told Pharaoh, My father and brothers with their flocks and herds and everything they own have come from the land of Canaan and are now in Goshen. He chose five of his brothers and presented them before Pharaoh. Pharaoh asked the brothers, What is your occupation? Your servants are shepherds, they replied to Pharaoh, just as our fathers were. They also said to him, we've come to live here a while because the famine is severe in Canaan and your servants' flocks have no pasture. So now please let your servants settle in Goshen. Pharaoh said to Joseph, your father and your brothers have come to you and the land of Egypt is before you. Settle your father and your brothers in the best part of the land. Let them live in Goshen. And if you know any among them a special ability, put them in charge of my own livestock. Then Joseph brought his father Jacob in and presented him before Pharaoh. After Jacob blessed Pharaoh, Pharaoh asked him, How old are you? And Jacob said to Pharaoh, The years of my pilgrimage are 130. My years have been few and difficult, and they do not equal the years of the pilgrimage of my fathers. Then Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from his presence. So Joseph settled his father and his brothers in Egypt and gave them property in the best part of the land, the district of Ramses, as Pharaoh directed. Joseph also provided his father and his brothers and all his father's household with food according to the number of their children. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. There are a number of things that take place in this section. First of all, you see this wonderful reunion that not only was a long time coming, but it was something that 
Jacob and Joseph didn't know was going to happen. Joseph didn't even know if his father was still alive. And he asks his brothers about that more than once. Jacob was convinced that Joseph was dead. He had been led to believe that a wild animal had killed his son, but some of the things that he says make it seem that he had his suspicions about the older brothers. Now, something that they didn't know they could anticipate, may have wished for, hoped for, but didn't really expect, has been brought to pass by God. Something wonderful, reunion between father and son. And as Jacob is on his way down there, he stops off in Beersheba, a place where both his grandfather and his father had worshipped the Lord. And he worships there. And God spoke to him in a vision at night. This was not the first time God had done this, and it wasn't the first time God had done it there. God said to him, Jacob, Jacob. And he responded as before, here I am. But this time God not only reminded him of who he is, I am God, the God of your father, he said. He says, do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I will make you into a great nation there. I will go down to Egypt with you, and I will surely bring you back again, and Joseph's own hand will close your eyes. Now, this is a beautiful promise. God was saying to his servant, Jacob, Israel, the one who wrestles with God, he was saying to him, don't be afraid. Point number one. Don't be afraid. God says that over and over and over in Scripture. He tells his people, do not be afraid, do not fear. God says, I will go with you and make you a great nation there. I'm going to be with you, you're not going to be on your own. Just as surely as Joseph experienced both in Potiphar's house as a slave, and then in the dungeon, God was with him. God was with him. God was with him. And in the book of Exodus, when God brings his people up out of Egypt, the thing that is key over and over is that God go with them. At one point, when they had sinned so grievously, God said, I'm not going to go with you any further. Moses said, strike me dead. Please, we don't want to go on without you. There's this need for God's presence, not just his provision. If your longing is to draw close to God, God will meet you. 
if your desire is simply the stuff that you can get from God, if you draw near, then you're missing it. God pours out blessings on people who are his enemies, on people who don't love him, on people who don't seek him. He continues to bless and bless and bless. But if you want to know him, it can be a very difficult road. It can be a a thorny way. And yet, you find in his presence beauty and peace that passes understanding. So, the Lord says, I will go with you and make you a great nation there. And I will surely bring you back. Jacob knew that God's promise to Abraham and his promise to Isaac and his promise to Jacob was the promised land and Egypt wasn't it. So it's like, am I doing the wrong thing? Is this going to be a problem that I'm going down to Egypt? And God says, I'll not only go down there with you and make you into a great nation, I'm going to bring you back. Now, he didn't say, I'll bring you back while you're still alive. He said, I'll bring you back. And your son Joseph will close your eyes with his own hand. Listeners of this broadcast from all over the country have signed up to help with the basic needs of children at Wares Valley Ranch by becoming a ranch hand. Ranch hands have committed to giving monthly to help with things like food, utility bills for ranch homes, and gas for the ranch minivans. If you believe the Lord would have you help in this way, you can become a ranch hand by signing up at wvr.org. Just look for the donate button. To step out of my comfort zone Into the realm of the unknown where Jesus is So, and he's Jacob left Beersheba And Israel's sons took their father Jacob and their children and their wives in the carts that Pharaoh had sent to transport him. So he's riding down there. He's not having to walk at this stage. The man is 130 years old. That's, uh, That's getting on up there. So he gets to ride in a cart, and his sons took him down to Egypt in the cart. And they've got wives and children and grandchildren and they're moving on down to Egypt. This has got to be a kind of a scary thing. And yet, their comfort is the fact that their brother, Joseph, is in charge of that country. He's the boss. And so they go down there, and I love this too. Jacob <laughs> at least had some sense. Verse 28, he sent Judah ahead of him to Joseph to get directions to Goshen. They'd already heard they were going to Goshen. And it was like, I don't think we ought to just show up, all of us with all of our stuff, all our animals and everything else, just show up at the royal court. Doesn't sound like a good plan. What was the name of that place? Goshen? Get directions there. We'll take everybody there. Okay? And that's what they did. So they go to Goshen, and Joseph receives word that they've arrived. And Joseph has his chariot made ready and goes down there to see them. And when he sees his father, they hug and they hug 
and they cry and they cry for a long time. And then Joseph said to his brothers and to his father's household, I'll go up and speak to Pharaoh and will say to him, my brothers and my father's household who were living in the land of Canaan have come to me. The men are shepherds. They tend livestock. And they brought along their flocks and herds and everything they own. When Pharaoh calls you in and asks, what's your occupation? You should answer your servants have tended livestock from our boyhood on just as our fathers did. Then you will be allowed to settle in the region of Goshen. Why? For all shepherds are detestable to the Egyptians. The Egyptians were just like, shepherds, keep them away from us. And that's going to work out beautifully because as a result, they're going to get to live in the best part of the land that's ideally set up for taking care of livestock. And that's what they wanted. He didn't say, you're going to have to learn a new career. Listen, um, anybody here interested in computers? You know, that, that isn't what's going on here. He's saying, we're going to tell them that you're shepherds, but you need to know that they will be happy for you to settle in another part of Egypt because they find you detestable, not just as foreigners, but as shepherds. Now, there is one statement we should not overlook that I kind of skipped over, and that is after they'd hugged and wept for a long time, Israel said to Joseph, now I'm ready to die because I've seen for myself that you are still alive. It's like that, that's all I need. I don't need anything else. Uh, he's not going to die right away. Sometime when you think, okay, I'm ready to go. The Lord's like, nah, not really. God decides when we're ready to go. He has numbered our days beforehand. But Joseph didn't bring everybody in to meet Pharaoh. He selected several of his brothers, five of them, and presented them before Pharaoh. So Pharaoh asked the brothers, what is your occupation? And they answered, we're shepherds. And we've come to live here for a while. We'd like to settle in Goshen. Please let us. Pharaoh said, that's great. Let them live in Goshen. If you know any of them who are um, have special ability, put them in charge of my own livestock. Then Joseph brought his father Jacob in and presented him before Pharaoh. And right off, Jacob pronounces a blessing on Pharaoh. That's nice. He comes in, and one of the privileges of old age is that you get to uh, speak blessing over people if you know the Lord. Jesus sent his disciples out and he said, when you go into a town, you pronounce blessing over the first house you come into. And if they are worthy people, they will receive it. And if they don't receive it, it'll be returned onto you. So if you hear me saying, God bless you to people a lot, it's because I am happy to bless others but anybody who doesn't receive it, I still get blessed. So after Jacob blessed Pharaoh, Pharaoh asked him, how old are you? 
And Jacob said to Pharaoh, the years of my pilgrimage are 130. My years have been few and difficult. How could a 130-year-old man say, you know, I have not lived a long time? Well, because compared to his ancestors, that was a short time. You see, our sense of what constitutes a long time has a whole lot to do with us. It's a matter of perspective. Now, when I was growing up, I lived with a grandmother who was born in 1874. And so to me, people who were born in the 1800s were the old people. Those of us born in the 1900s, of course, we were the modern generation. Now, people say, oh my word, were were you alive in the 1900s? Yeah. And I meet young adults and I say to them, So, uh, what year were you born? And they tell me, and I'm thinking, I think my car is about that old. (laughs) Okay? I'm just telling you, it's a matter of perspective. To Jacob, his 130 years, short. Short life, but difficult. That's interesting, too. His life was difficult. When God identifies himself Over and over, it is as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob was chosen by God, blessed by God, and his life was difficult. Realize that the fact that your life is difficult does not mean that God doesn't have a plan for you. As I have studied the scriptures over and over for years, I haven't found anybody in the scriptures who I thought, man, boy, if I could have it like that, you know, if if that could be the story of my life. There's only one person in the Bible whose life I really want to be like, and it's Jesus. And it's not because it was easy or because he lived a long time. Now, he's alive forever, but he was crucified for my sins. So if you look at your life and you think, boy, this is difficult, well, welcome to life. So, Jacob is 130, which means he probably had Joseph when he was around 90 years old. Because if you'll recall, the wife that he loved so much was not able to have children. Many times, things that we long for don't happen. And many times, things that we long for that do happen, happen after we've decided, well, I guess it's not going to happen. I don't know what you may be longing for. I don't know what you may be praying for. But God does. And what I would plead with you to believe and understand is that God 
who loved you so much that he sent his son to save you, knows what he's doing. Trust him to know what is best and to do what is best. Don't stop praying, but understand that God's plan, including his timing, is perfect. And in the end, God doesn't just know what's going to happen. He is working all things together for the good of those who love him, who are the called according to his purpose. You've been listening to Abiding in Christ. If you have questions that you'd like for us to tackle on the program or comments that you want to make, I want to invite our listeners to call 866-41-ABIDE. That's our toll-free number, 866-41-ABIDE. Or contact us on the web at wvr.org.